lovelies, and welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you uh, once again on the Outsports Podcast Network for the last time. Um, it's a very special episode, I guess you could say, today. Um, you know, it's in the title. You saw uh, our guest, Billy Dixon, when we announced that uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and the, the subtitle fits in many different ways. End of an era. Um, you know, Billy is back on the show here. Our final show under the Vox Media Outsports Podcast Network banner um, before that goes away and uh, we figure out what the future of this show looks like in earnest. And, you know, honestly, the only real fitting way to close out this era of, of the podcast was to bring back the business Billy Dixon for, for one more go around um, to close out this part of the of the podcast's lineage and it just so happens to line up with sunday's pro wrestling vibe event bromatica which we all found out um last week will be the final pro wrestling vibe event um you know kind of headlined by a main event match between darius carter and faye jackson where billy is the special referee um that already had the title of end of, of an era attached to it before um, you know, anything that we knew about the podcast stuff was happening. And so it just made this this show kind of even more apt to happen. And I'm very glad to have Billy back on um, and continue to uh, cement his status as the most frequent guest on this show. Um, and we get into a lot about pro wrestling vibe, you know, obviously there's some of the reasons why the, the promotion is going away after February 19th. Um, why difficulties around that decision, um, the overall legacy of pro wrestling vibe, the, what it will leave behind. We also delve into some other stuff. You know, we talk about for the culture, which, you know, Billy has control of this year for the first time, uh, during mania weekend in LA. We talk about, you know, his reaction to the to the response to the Killian McMurphy and Edith Surreal feud that has um, produced some rather divisive, but honestly um, relevant uh, and um, almost like a new evolution in the kinds of stories that queer storytellers within the world of pro wrestling can tell and should tell and that sort of thing. We, we get into a lot of different things here today. Um, and I'm just excited to share it with all of you. Uh, especially since, you know, this is, it's, it feels really weird for me to say that this is the last show as part of the Outsports podcast network, as part of Vox media, as part of SB nation, whichever like tier of the hierarchy you want to name. Like, um, you know, we started this show back in October of 2019. Um, and I was very excited to do it. 
Um, you know, I was only about six months in, less than that maybe, into my tenure without sports. Um, and as as a writer, and you know, we launched the podcast network, and you know, I jumped at the opportunity. You know, I'm, I'm, my ba- I do have my background is in you know written journalism, but you know, I also have a background in radio and podcasting and live streaming, and I still use a lot of those tools today uh you know whether it be the doing this show or doing the the weekly twitch streams with my friends where we cover video game news the mbg super show every monday um at twitch.tv slash dead sun entertainment um and not to mention like all the written work that i do with without sports as well as my other positions at other publications as well so like I was ready. I, I was really excited to jump into this, and and I won't lie. Um, part of the reason why I was so excited is because you know when I started without sports back in May of 2019, um, you know I knew coming in that I wanted to put focus onto queer identities and queer stories within the pro wrestling world. Um, but even then, you know I did not have the knowledge of how wide our community was spread within the pro wrestling world. I learned a lot, you know, prior to joining out sports and during my time without sports, I've discovered so many new names, not just names that have been around for years, you know, names that have been making their mark in regions across the country and, and internationally, but I also got to learn, a lot of new people that, you know, through the changing climate around pro wrestling and through the work of companies like Pro Wrestling Vibe and events like Butch versus Gore and the Big Gay Brunch and, you know, companies like Hood Slam and companies like Pride Style and com- just number places all over, um, all over the world that opened my eyes to to new people that you know, maybe they've been around for a while or maybe they were just getting into pro wrestling or they've been for like a little bit of time that felt comfortable to show more of themselves and share that side of their identity with people. And it's been an amazing experience. And I know that I'm talking like this is the end end of things um, for my work in that realm. It's not, um, but you know, things are going to change like this show this show will be published somewhere else. This show um, will, I don't know, I might tweak some things. I might take this opportunity to kind of figure out if there's something I want to to change with stuff. I don't know. But none of that is to say that, that my work is going to stop. I'm still going to be writing without sports. I'm still going to be making this show in some form, um, you know, we're going to be taking another break after this episode, um, for obvious reasons, you know, we're still trying to figure out exactly where the, the next path is, but I'm hoping that we will know that by sometime in March. But for now, um, I just want to thank each and every, uh, person that has downloaded and listened to this show over the last, um, three plus years. Um, I want to thank all of the 
guests that have shared their time and their stories and their experiences and their emotions um, with with not just me, but with all of you as well and with, with the world and, and what impact that has brought, not just to pro wrestling, but to um, the greater culture, I think. Um, yeah, uh, just so many thank yous. Thank you to, to Outsports. Um, thank you to, you know, SB Nation and, and Vox for the opportunity to get this show off the ground and to continue to build it. Um, even if I didn't necessarily <laughs> keep a close eye on what I, what I would, would do, <laughs> which, you know, that I did really respect the, the freedom that I had with this show, um, in that way, but it's just going to be even more free going forward, um. Yeah, but we'll save all the that information from whenever we have it. And trust me, it'll get out there as soon as as soon as we have something 100% nailed down. But um, for now, join me as LGBT in the ring, Billy Dixon, pro wrestling vibe, and as you'll find out in the interview, maybe a couple of other things. Um, write their final chapter for now here in my conversation with the business billy dixon what's up guys gals and non-binary pals welcome back to lgbt in the ring i'm very very pleased to have as my guest this week my final guest before this show uh wraps up its its work underneath the outsports and box media banner um someone who holds the record for most appearances on this show and is going to maintain that going forward here for the seventh time. I went back and counted for the seventh time on LGBT in the ring. We welcome back the founder, one of the founders of pro wrestling vibe, um, the babyface douchebag, the business, however, whatever moniker you want to throw out there to describe him. But honestly, me and, and us here at the show just consider him a friend at this point. Billy Dixon, welcome back to LGBT in the Ring. Seven time, seven time, seven time, seven time, seven time, seven time, LGBT in the Ring podcast guest. Suck on that, all of you. Do better. <laughs> oh, it wouldn't be right if it wasn't if it wasn't thrown back in in the faces a little bit. <laughs> seven times. Yes. It's gonna be the but, best one of all of them. Let's go. Let's do exactly. This. We've got a lot to talk about. It's been it's been a minute. Last time we spoke, a of things really, may have happened. Just I know, a just a couple, just a couple. I mean, last time we spoke, really, or the last time I saw you in person was at Pride and Vibe weekend back last June, and um, I think it was before Paris is bumping, and I literally just asked you like, "How's it feel to be retired?" And you just laughed and then walked away. <laughs> <laughs> obviously some things have changed since then but um i think the most one of the most notable things and, and i want to start with today because it's the most pressing is um february 19th bromatica out at dc brow where everything started for butch versus gore pro wrestling vibe however whatever name you want to use to describe it 
And it's all coming full circle now as this is the final Pro Wrestling Vibe show, at least for now. Um, talk to me about like what went into that decision for, for you uh, and why, why was it so important to have DC Brow be the, the home for the, uh, for the end of Pro Wrestling Vibe? Um, so to me, I think that, um, I think that this started as kind of a trauma response of sorts to, um, the speaking out movement and there being so much, uh, aftershocks and collateral damage. So that's how the show started, you know? I never once in my life said, I want to be a professional wrestling promoter. Um, and after having experienced it for the last three and a half years, it is the most annoying, thankless job um, ever. Um, and uh, it is very difficult. It has its rewarding moments, but it's very difficult. And I think one of the things that is really difficult about professional wrestling on the independent circuit is that the ability to profit is incredibly difficult. Um, to really be able to make money that you can not only reinvest, but um, that you can take home with yourself is near impossible. Um, going back to DC Brow was something that um, uh, Lachlan McGrath did, my 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 partner um and cultivated the relationship with dc brown that they already had um and you know i thought that you know this would be a good opportunity for us to come home it was very important for me to have shows back in dc because it's literally where we started and dc brown was um a a business partner as well uh supporting us uh with these shows and with these events and um you know we sold out we have done nine out of uh, out of all the shows that uh, have have happened in DC Brow or in DC period, nine out of nine shows were sold out. However, uh, when you're in a commissioned territory, and you're in a commissioned territory such as DC, um, they really um, devoured the profits that we generated. And this is not a we broke even thing. This is a, we broke even at one stretch before we sold out. And then we have thousands of dollars of profit being eaten away at us, um, which is very difficult because you don't want to break a fire code and go over occupancy in these buildings. You know, this is a, this is a business that runs seven days a week, you know, 365 almost. So um, you don't want to, you don't want to put the building in jeopardy by just throwing in more butts uh, and seats and people to stand up. Um, so it was difficult. And at some point, my personal savings depleted and Lachlan's personal savings, uh, depleted. And, you know, we, 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 we can't continue to run shows if there's no money. And if someone who is financially partnering with us is not seeing return on their investment, um, because of the, the, uh, the commission being such a huge obstacle. What is it? Because I've seen both both you and and Low obviously have spoken at length about commission issues. I, I'd say like Low even even more than than you have in terms of the 
DC specifically. Um, but like what really kind of leads to, to those to those difficulties and what is that relationship kind of been like? It seems like to from the outside looking in, it seems like it's been kind of contentious at times, obviously. Um, and it and you pointed to it in your statement about you know the closure of, of the promotion. That you you singled out the the DC Athletic Commission like very clearly in in that as well. Um, I would say that these are a group of people who do not like professional wrestling, and that they do not like independent professional wrestling. And I think that these are a group of people who are upholding laws that and and standards of practices that are really outdated and archaic and unnecessary. And I mean, we're talking about. Even someone to do a ring announcing job has to get a license. I mean, it's just like, it is really tedious bureaucracy. And, you know, in my personal experience, I'll just speak for myself. Um, the, uh, these are people who are elderly. Let's just say it. They're all old. And they're all kind of like just going by the book. They, you know, no, at no point did they go, hmm, what can we do? What can we change? What can we fix? You know, these are all people in their 60s that don't want to be bothered on a Saturday afternoon. Well, we don't want you here either. You know, um, uh, you know, some of the, the doctors that do the pre, pre-show uh, checks have been incredibly like fat phobic and like disrespectful to talent about their weight or their vitals. I mean, there's a way to say, hey, you know, w- watch this number because this number is leading in a direction that you don't want to be in or hey, you know, I'm just doing my job here. You know, like, I have to tell you that, like, seeing this is, I have a concern. You know, uh, a doctor told me verbatim, get your shit together. Um, And I just think that professionally, professionally, you can't do that. Um, When it comes to, on the promoter side, organizing, um, you know, one of the people in the commission has been very, very disrespectful to, to, to Lowe specifically, and, you know, I don't believe that you have conversations with people that you do business with screaming at the top of your lungs. Um, I don't believe in that. Um, and then we have, you know, some people who who have tried to be allies and then turned on us at the last minute. You know, it's interesting because I would I, there was a huge boxing event that happened in D.C. And uh, we saw photos of the commission yucking it up with them. Because they're getting their money, they're getting all this kind of stuff, and I and I and I wonder if they're being as tedious with these uh, entities that are making hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions, uh, the same way they're doing with you know a, a independent wrestling show that draws like 300, 400 people. Um, I would assume not. I would assume not. Um, and you know, do I believe in the nineteen seventies and eighties way of that that still exists of just paying off these government agencies 100%. I don't have any proof of that. But there is a very obvious difference between the way uh, even some of my friends who work for the WWE and AEW, the treatment when they tour in DC versus when we have our shows. It is a very night and day, uh, you know, and it's unfortunate, but that is the truth. I mean, I don't want I don't want to turn like the whole show, obviously, into just like, you know, uh, like airing out grievances with, with the commission, obviously. But these things do need to be talked about a bit, especially considering like you talked about nine shows in in the district or nine shows in D.C. proper, not just the district. But and, and also all nine of the shows are sold out um, like 
I was there, but for the score, like that place was fucking packed and was raucous and was like it was an amazing environment and experience to be there. And then you hear like I remember hearing like uh, DJ Accident report like after we're talking about the commission coming to him about the about the vulgarities in the music or something like that. Like it's just so weird that like everything is so like micromanaged in that way for a region that is so hungry to see independent wrestling grow and thrive within the borders of the capital um, and to continue to just keep hearing so many of these conversations continue to come out so much so that like fight club is fight club is running a show outside of DC and like, and, and that feels like a, a major uh, bummer as well. It's been very, uh, you know, my heart goes out to the, to the fans. Um, and it kind of gets me a little emotional because it's just like, these people want to see this thing, you know? And, um, you know, it's it's very difficult to 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 want to keep working hard and wanting to keep, you know, there comes a certain point where you can't put yourself through abuse no matter how much you love something. Um, because, you know, and I don't want to talk too much inside baseball about some things that have been happening internally with staff, but when people are having serious mental distress working with these people you have to make a, a, a decision um and i think belaboring the point i think belaboring the point of um of working with them is coming at a cost for some folks and i don't like that um i think uh i think that i i think if i were to narrow it down to a fundamental issue outside of like just blatant disrespect for what we do and who we are is a lack of understanding that of what sports entertainment is. I think that that is the fundamental issue here is that these are people who think that it's going to be Ric Flair and Ronnie Garvin, you know, because that's the age that they could associate wrestling with um, versus what wrestling has become. God, like almost 40 years later, you know, um, and I think that that's the fundamental disconnect between, uh, I think, the folks in this entity and us is that, you know, we're so much more willing to discuss it as an art form and as performance art and and as a showcase of athletic ability, for sure. Like, it, it is, you have to be an athlete to do what we do. It's very difficult. But, you know, I think that the micromanaging is just, it comes from a place of confusion, and I think personally, I think to say that someone can't play, you know, uh, my neck, my back, my pussy, and my crack, like, I think that that's just fucking weird. Like, that has nothing to do with you. The show's at a brewery. People are drinking. People are having sex in the bathrooms. Like, you're <laughs> at, you're, this is romper room fuckery. Like, get over it. Yeah. That, and that, God, God. And to me, it just, it just, it really feels like just another like entry of of like an old adage of just like innovation leaving some people behind in in some ways. And it's just unfortunate that the people kind of being left behind are the ones that have some modicum of power that that influences what goes on in in that area. And it's just really, really unfortunate that that uh, has kind of led to a, a cause for one of the most um, I'd say powerful promotions in the current like expansion of LGBTQ identities within the pro wrestling world 
to see it like falter because of that. It's just really, it's personally frustrating to see, um, obviously. Uh, and uh, I don't know, like it's, it sucks. It sucks that, 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 that played into this, um, in that way, but, uh, you know what we don't, this isn't, this show is not about mourning right now. This show is about talking about the fucking party that is going to happen on the 19th. Um, because Raul Matica, the card looks awesome. Of course, main evented by Darius Carter facing Faye Jackson with you as a special guest referee. Um, Talk to me a bit about kind of putting this show together and, and taking on, like, obviously there is a, a overarching Lady Gaga influence to this from the name down. Um, I need to know what a Rain on Me match entails for Ashton and Allie <laughs> it's in, in a way. Like, talk to me about kind of putting this show together specifically and, and what kind of influenced some of the ideas that, that have gone into this. Well, I worked myself into a shoot because um, we put end of an era on it, not knowing at the time that that was going to be the last show. So I think that's really fucking funny. Um, uh, I think, well, number one, uh, there's always been Lady Gaga influence in my work. You know, I may not be as overt as like Ali or whatever, but like there is a theme of like wanting to murder a man and like, you know, uh, you know, obviously all the queer stuff. And, uh, you know, to me, there are a couple songs that I listened to before death matches. Um, I don't listen to like music that gets me angry for stuff like that. I listen to when I'm sad or whenever in any given zone, I listen to incredibly high tempo uh, EDM music. Uh, uh, the show is, the show was, to be the end of an era in the aspect of kind of we were getting ready to do a different direction um go in a completely more uh i would say offensive raw more raw more real more um more unafraid to discuss really really raw topics of our community um, kind of thinking of like the introduction of like the attitude, you know, that was the inspiration creatively was when we looked at the response of that, that infamous Chick-fil-A promo. And we looked at the way it elicited real emotion from people while also looking at context and ignoring it. There's something to be said about the power of the story, specifically with like Killian McMurphy that we're telling. And I think it's because everyone either knows a Killian McMurphy or has a inner Killian McMurphy in them that they're trying to work through. I have one, that's for sure. Um, I think that when we put together this card, I wanted to number one, I wanted to get Allie into DC because she's never worked DC before. And I guess since it's all over, um, I had wanted to book Allie for Butch versus Gore, um, but that was politically stopped by someone who's no longer involved in the equation. Uh, and I fought for her to get on the show, but uh, that person did not want to make it happen. 
Um, so I wanted to get her into DC. That was like really important to me. Number one, because she's my friend. Number two, because I know that they would love her. She would love them, blah, 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 whatever. Um, and I think that a lot of it was, a lot of what I wanted to do this year creatively was I wanted to marry what we did at Vibe and also bring back a lot of people from prime time pro wrestling. I never forgot about those folks. You know, I never forgot about like that they helped build the scene too. My only thing was at the time I was going for who was going to be the most severely impacted by, you know, not only COVID, but, you know, the dissolution of the company. So my plan were really huge creative plans here were, were, were to have those folks come back and take umbrage with the fact that they were left behind and kind of start some sort of a, a civil war in the, the, the region. Um, and we never got there. Um, so in, in, in a lot of ways, this show was going to be like the last vibe show as you know it. There's a lot of tropes with vibe shows. There's a lot of things that are very repetitive and, and things that we, we, we've kind of made ourselves very uh, known for. And I wanted to give that one last show, especially back at home, and, and then move into a new direction. Um, but that didn't get to happen, which is fine. You know, who cares? Um, uh, but, you know... I really like what we're doing, what we, we've done with Killian and Edith. I think that it's very, very um, provocative. And it's, and it's interesting because we have two very compelling performers in very different ways who have, I think, a real chemistry and a real ability to bounce off one another. Um, uh, you know, I'm a big Brooke Valentine fan. I'm a huge huge Ashen Star fan. Uh, I've, I've always loved the goons and I've been wanting to introduce them into this world and I just never had the, it was never the right time. And then we found this this moment in which like this better business bureau, best business bureau, excuse me, best business bureau thing kind of accomplished its goal creatively, which was to really help boost Kings of the District and Killian and, um, and, 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 and Darius as well to where they could kind of start their own journeys. So there was like this amicable separation, which to me, Killian and the Goons was a, a natural progression for his arc. Because, um, uh, you know, we all know that they associate with one another. I, I was very excited to bring them in. Um, so yeah, the show was really to kind of, in the main event, uh, tie together this story that Darius, Faye, and myself have crafted for three years. Um, and I, if that's what I'm known for, I'm super good with that. Um, I think we told a very different and important story while also being very clear in what our influence was and remixing it to the point where I think people don't even acknowledge the influence, even though I feel like it's so heavy handed that they acknowledge it as Darius Carter and Billy Dixon. Um, and it was a way for Faye was like, I think I'm ready to get back in the game. And she was, she, it's so fitting because she was in the main event of Butch versus Gore, 
work in Effie. And now she's going to be in the main event versus Darius Carter. And also the duality of the opponents is so funny to me because um, <laughs> it's two very different matches. So uh, pretty long-winded there, but uh, there was a lot that this show was supposed to mean that was not the final show ever. This was supposed to be like the start of something very, very new. The ending of one thing and the starting of something very, very new. Mm. No, I mean, it, it's it sounds like very, very interesting ideas that you had there. And, you know, and I feel like if, given the opportunity to have that uh, that story that you described play out, like would have been really interesting to see people like like Bro Keller, like make like, come in and, and other people like, you know, I tried to rack my brain right now and, and nothing is coming to me here in, in there's the so many people there's this. so many people that i still follow their work and i still admire them bro keller um uh isaiah frazier that's the name um, i couldn't come up with yes uh you know uh you know we we we, we were able to get logan easton larue in um there's so many folks that were a part of prime time that the, the, the story was so obvious to tell. But at the same time, you know, timing is always an issue. You know, I'm, I'm not going to sacrifice the story that I have now to tell this cooler story. You know, I think once the A story is completed, then you can start a new A story or a really strong B story. Um, so, yeah, I, I was really, really, really looking forward to doing that sometime around the summertime with those folks and doing it in a really um interesting and unique way hmm. i do want to talk more about like the whole dynamic with with you and darius and faye because like you said it has been a three plus year journey at this point um and just the fact that faye is getting back into the ring now is, is really cool to see but before we get there i wanted you brought up the, all the stuff that's been going on with, with Killian and, and Edie and that infamous promo now at this point, the Chick-fil-A promo, like I, I've i had many conversations with, with, with people coming out of, of that angle and, and everything there. And it was for me personally, I totally understood what what was what y'all were going for there and i feel like a lot of people did and then like you like you mentioned like there were a lot of people where there was a lot of real emotion there was a lot of rawness there and like it was very very divisive at 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 the, at the time um what was like internally for for you and low like were, were y'all having conversations watching this gonna play out like um like what was what was the the thought process around seeing the reaction to that and then ultimately like what went on at like primetime vibes and, and that sort of thing. Like what has been the the story of this of this Killian Edie feud in terms of like how the greater queer community has interacted with it for you? I I think and I I appreciate the people that have supported uh what we've done for three years. But I also know a lot of people that had something to say, never watched the Vibe show. Do you want to know why? Because all you can do is put their at on Twitter with any of the hashtags of the shows we've done, and I couldn't find a single tweet. That's number one. 
a lot of people love an opportunity to perform that they are a morally upright person, especially on Twitter.com. Here's what I will say about that. I think that we're telling such an honest story there that it's making people, they're, 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 the, our job is not for you to go, what a good heel. That is an insult. Killian McMurphy, the man behind Killian McMurphy would find that to be very insulting. For people to say that he's an awful person and that he deserves nothing, that is what he wanted. And that is what he got. I think that uh, I have to be really careful about how I how I say this, but um, I think as like theater kids and people who really understand that there are so many devices that you can use in pro wrestling to boost the story, using those for the like desired effect is interesting because I think the professional wrestling fan in 2023 feels very entitled to feel like they're in the writers. They feel very entitled to not get worked into a shoot. I'll just just be honest. The promo worked people into a shoot. Some things are meant to strum up real emotion. But also, the promo was filled, filmed at like 11.30 or midnight on a weeknight as the people who clean the Chick-fil-A are cleaning the Chick-fil-A. Dramatic irony is a thing. Like, in no way was the inauguration thing actually sponsored with Chick-fil-A dollars and cents. Yeah. In no way would we cut a promo in which Killian McMurphy would actively, you know, uh, say that, hey, hey conversion therapy is awesome. Like, that would never happen. Um, I think that it was offensive to me that there was off rip, zero trust in our ability to tell a story, given the fact that for three years, we have told a lot of, I would say, decent to great stories. You know, and in the comments, there are some people going, let's see where they go with this. But I think a lot of people who never watch vibe shows saw it as an opportunity to dogpile and to look morally upright. Do I eat a Chick-fil-A? No, I don't. Am I going to buy Hogwarts Legacy? No, I'm not. You know, when I stamp on something that is blatantly against my own people, that's just, it's it, it, it's almost insulting to ask me these kinds of questions or to, be, to, to think that I would do these things, given the fact that no one in wrestling, period, has given more of their own money and done more sweat equity to tell queer storytelling more than myself. Before Brow, it was self-funded and crowdfunded. A lot of my money went into this. So to me, when you look at things like that, like it's a confirmation that sometimes you have to remember that Twitter is not a real place. And that you have to remind yourself that the, the the viewer does not make the art. The art, the artist makes the art for the viewer. Um, and that I know that the people 
who watched the show got what we were going for. The people who put their butts in every 18 inches understood what we did and, and responded appropriately and enjoyed the show. Sometimes you have to put that into perspective as well. Um, to me, the arc of telling the story of a jock really struggling with internalized queer phobia is rich in opportunities to tell different stories and a necessary one. Because if you do not think internalized queer phobia is not rampant in professional wrestling, boy, do I got something for you. If you think that it's all kumbaya and everyone just loves each other, boy, do I got something to tell you. Yeah. You could be on worldwide television and you could be appearing in all these uh, campaigns about pride and still have no time of day for anyone queer. These are things that are possible, let's just say. So I think that, you know, it was the first time that we've made someone actually queer a villain and actually be like, you know these people. Killian McMurphy is George Santos and you can't handle that. And I get it. I get it. Because those people actually exist. Yes. Yeah. Queer people that do not give a shit about other queer people actually exist. Let's tell that story. And I will never regret telling this story ever because I'm not going to lie to my audience. We're not all friends. Not every single, you know, there's this back in the days of like going back a few years of queer wrestling, the same would be like, just because you suck dick and I suck sick and I suck dick does not mean I have to give a shit about you. So I think that that is what the real anger is, is that that kind of a person a hundred percent exists. Yeah, no, I mean, we're seeing it even more now, like I say, over the like last year, a lot of like the responses to like the anti-trans legislation that, that has been passing through governments like across states and uh, in states across the nation. Like, you know, we've seen it, obviously it's, it's historic, honestly, like how divided within the like, LGBTQ spectrum, the different communities can be. I mean, for me, seeing seeing this whole story like play out, really kind of one, it did it spoke it spoke to internalized queer phobia immensely. And I, I I've had conversations with people. I've shown people like the the Killian promos and had like lengthy discussions with people around just that aspect of it. But it also for me personally, it kind of spoke to. Um, something that we talked about like the very first time that that you were on the show back in 2019 um, where, you know, we talked about that feud with Effie that we talked about those promos. What are you talking about? You know, black queer erasure um, and how like dominant culture still exists, even within the marginalized population that we are, there's still mm -hmm. a dominant culture to be fought against it with, within our own community. Um, and like, that fight is still going on. Exactly. That promo was released four years ago. And I think we've made some progress, but it's still, we still have a long ways to go. Yeah. Yeah. But, it, and to have a story like that still feels so raw now, like taking from, from, from the what's good Effie to Killian eating Chick-fil-A out of the Cassandra cup trophy, or talking about how Donald Trump is, is, is his, 
mentor or something like that. Like you, you see that this, this time period there, but the emotions around that stuff are still very, very raw. And it will be a disservice to not explore that within the confines of pro wrestling, because sometimes, yes, like I, I can understand like being, you know, part of a marginalized population like the LGBTQ uh, community and just wanting to see like positivity yeah, you know, because you don't see positive representation in other places. You want that to be like something that is put forward. You want to see that for, for yourself and for the next generation and that sort of thing. But at the same time, like if you're going to be telling stories, you have to tell stories that relate to the experiences of people beyond just like the positive or else you trend into like this toxic positivity territory and you're not fully representing the fights that people need to be paying attention to within our within our our confines so to speak absolutely yeah i don't know like it, i i got i got personally a, a little i i understood why some people had reactions like that but i also got really frustrated at at some points because i'm just like we shouldn't have to yell it's fake yeah we shouldn't have to yell we're, we're, we're performers, we're actors. We shouldn't have to do that. Um, but I think another thing that you could say, especially with what I've done, is that, you know, and I'm going so inside baseball because this is the last one. I don't give a fuck. Um, when you condition your audience to always have the good guys win and everything is, you know, sugar plums and, and gumdrops and we're all holding hands singing kumbaya at the end of these shows, they expect that. And when you when you veer from that and go in a complete 180 of that, I think that you're going to get whiplash. I knew we were going to get whiplash. And, you know, if anyone has a problem, you know, take that out with me. Don't take that out with the performers. Don't take that out with Edie or, or Killian. I'm the one who, it's my script, you know? So I understand how people feel, but at the end of the day, you know, you're watching something that's not like real you're this is entertainment and and you know this is no different than watching pose and watching blanca get kicked out of a gay bar this is no different than that and i think pro wrestling will always struggle because it is meant to be deceitful and to be perceived as 100 real that when you when you want to make something highly artistic or highly you know, uh, I guess uh, curated or whatever, that it can't be looked at as art because we're trying to convince people so desperately that it's real. So I expected that, you know, but I stand behind what we've done and I know we haven't done anything with malicious intent. No, I, I'm right there with you, honestly. You know, I, that's, that's what I see coming from this as well. And yeah. All right, Jens. Thank you so much for tuning into LGBT in the Ring. Uh, we'll get right back into the thick of things, but I do want to take a pause real quick and say thank you to some amazing people that make this show as rad as it is. Starting off with Daniel Quasar, the Progress Pride flag designed by Daniel Quasar is a product of Progress Initiative. You can find out more at Quasar.digital. A big thank you to Sarah and the Safe Word for the show's theme song, Formula 666, off the album Red Hot and Holy. 
You can find them on Twitter at STSWBand, and you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp at sarahinthesafeword.bandcamp.com. Um, check out independentwrestling.tv for the best in current and classic independent pro wrestling, including live events from top independent promotions worldwide. Uh, you can use our promo code LGBTRingPod or visit tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT and peruse their entire library uh, over there at independentwrestling.tv. Once again, promo code LGBTRingPod or go to tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT check out that service. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at LGBT RingPod. You can follow me on Twitter at WonderboyOTM. And if you're into video games, definitely check out my video game news show, the Mr. Video Game Super Show. I co-host that with uh, Twitch streamers Slacker Kite and Lady Merwin every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific over on twitch.tv slash Entertainment. Uh, it's your weekly roundup of gaming news, uh, and it's always a blast. So once again, check that out every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, over at twitch.tv slash Entertainment. Sun like the star. We'll be right back with more LGBT in the ring. Let's talk a little bit about your your comeback here, so to speak, because you know, like I said before, last time that we spoke was after your match, your I quit match with Darius, and you were walking away to kind of get yourself right and didn't know when you're gonna be back. And then lo and behold, the business returns. You're hitting up JCW, you're hitting up uh uncanny attractions, main eventing with Sunny Kiss. Now you're uh coming back to haunt Effie again uh, a lot with, with Pero and, and Charles Mason. I have no recollection of that. <laughs> that was straight Bill, I think. I don't know. I see. I see. Okay. But but no, but you're you're back in the ring now and um, you've got some awesome opportunities coming up. You're, you've taken over for the culture as well coming up uh, uh, Mania Weekend in LA. Um what has it been like for you to kind of get back into um, wrestling mode after ha- taking those months off to kind of get yourself kind of, I guess, get yourself right, get yourself in a better mindset? Well, um, my number one regret is using the R word. Because that mm. was just like, that was someone at the height of like just anguish who was just like, if I make this final, then it has to be final. You know, someone who, dare I say, was having a very, very, very well-contained manic episode for several months. Um, But I would say that I think that what I really enjoyed about my time away was a very nice sleep schedule, a very nice social life, um, and just enjoying life in a very basic way, you know? I am a summer baby, so I got to go to the beach and I got to hang out with my friends and I got to do really cool, fun stuff. Um, at that point in my life, I was in, a, in in so much transition, moving homes and all this kind of stuff and, you know, a lot of bad luck and then, you know, dealing with COVID, um, which was a gnarly month of, of illness. Um it gave me the opportunity to really think about my life and think about what I 
what makes me happy, what I want to do. And I think a lot of what I am looking forward to doing is to be more of, of, of self-service. Um, Cause I believe that that was incredibly uh, neglected in my first run. Um, and, you know, there's no resentment or regret to any decisions I've made, you know, to take on projects or things. But I think in retrospect, I think I would have, I think I would have uh, had easier expectations and, and, and not try to do so much uh, that I burned myself out and at burn, burning the candle at both ends. Um, it's really good to be back. It's good to be excited to wrestle. It's good to want to wrestle. It's good to want to tell stories. It's good to want to be there. Um, in some ways, it felt like taking the break pushed me more forward in my career, which I can't wrap my head around. Um, but, you know, I was just incredibly just like sad uh, the first half of 2022. Like there was just no joy in anything. You know, there was never joy at uh, shows or in matches or in anything like that. You know, my, my the moments of joy were at home with my my incredible roommates that I had at the time, uh, you know, being able to get away from it all. Um, and, you know, I knew that that was like a sign of like something has to change because like when you have to convince yourself to get in your car to do those drives and it's like, when I say convince, it's just like, I'm talking to myself aloud, trying to motivate myself to get up. I knew that that, that, that wasn't, these, these weren't good signs, you know? Um, but, you know, therapy and, you know, wellness uh, and, and creating things that are gonna pro propel my life forward outside of a squared circle have been pivotal in recovery and, uh, being uh in a position where everything is exciting and also you know coming back and working i think just select dates where i want to work uh right now is like really cool um versus like grinding to do every single weekend possible and and three shows in a weekend and and, and you know one day uh it, you know for what my goals are I will have to be more, you know, consistent in my work, but it, it is really good for now until Mania. That's my last booking I think I have uh, right now is uh, it's cool to take my time and, 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 and pop up at enjoy and bleed to death um, to pop up at uh, Fest Wrestling debut there, have a killer scramble match. I, I like scramble matches. I don't ever get booked in them enough. I'm always in some big match, which is not a, a a problem that it's not a problem. It's a happy problem, I guess. Um, you know, and and even although wonky, I think we can all admit the storytelling was a little wonky at GCW. Um, you know, being on a main card, being on a card that had nothing to do about who I'm fucking or the color of my skin was very, very nice. Um, so uh, I feel like things are moving in a powerful direction um, and I'm really excited about For the Culture and I'm excited about uh, Collective and I, I, I'm looking forward to having a really good time. 
No, I, likewise. I I I feel like this this year uh is shaping up to be pretty interesting. Like I I will admit, like I was excited personally to see that that you had been kind of handed the the controls of for the culture the, this time around, and you know that you've been very active and open, like asking people on on social media, like who do you want to see and uh, on this show and that sort of thing, um, like. What do you see you taking over for the culture, like um, following AJ, um, in terms of like having a an, a con control over over that as as much as you can have control over GCW. I I'm not gonna sit here and say that I know like how the power structure on that show or, or the big game brunch or anything like that works, but um, like what does it mean to you to kind of have control over a show that is meant to like celebrate blackness in pro wrestling in the way that for the culture has been established over the last couple of years the first thing i thought was wow what a rib um because <laughs> i started off the show commentating then the next show i set up for the pop color match then the show after that i'm making history with hoodfoot and then the year after that, I'm like, I wonder what I'm, I literally said this, like, maybe two weeks before For the Culture was given to me. I was like, oh, I wonder what I'm going to do for the culture this year. And then someone said, you're probably going to book it. And I was like, bullshit. <laughs> and then two weeks later, I was like, oh, shit, this there is real. Um, it's been a very interesting arc. Uh, my arc in GCW is incredibly interesting. I think some of my fans have had other words, but um, I will say interesting. Um, uh, I think uh, I I think that it's it's important to remember that this is not pro wrestling vibe. You know that I am booking a show for a very different audience. So what this show will look like will have hints of what I've done before for sure, but it's also I have to curate this for the people that are going to be in attendance, you know, and that are are used to the the, the great shows that AJ put on. I can't, how do I put this? I, I, I have to honor the legacy that was started of these shows and then place my own spin on it. I can't overhaul a show in my first attempt, you know, like that's just being as, as blatantly honest as I can be. Um, will you see... I think very new things and new people and maybe averages of certain demographics within this community look a little different. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's a, a given I have the book, like, but um, what I'm really excited to do is to um, kind of tell like one night only stories of, um, of, of, uh, generations uh, clashing um, gener generations clashing um, uh, to t tell stories territorially um, uh, for my match to push myself to my absolute limits with someone I have tremendous respect for which I cannot announce but I think I've been a little obvious on who I'm wrestling for the culture um, uh I'm excited. Uh, you know, we are, we are, how do I put this? It's just like 
the group that we have for further culture is very motivated to do well, very motivated to to have to, to have good matches, tell good stories, and to represent. Um, I think it's cool that you know this is probably the most watched show of this of its nature all year, and to be a black queer person, uh, to be queer in 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 this position, is uh very very cool, um, and I'm excited to to see how it all shakes out um, and to hopefully, you know, keep the, the streak of very good shows continuing. I think, I, I think that a lot of people have a lot of, a lot of trust in you to, to do that. Obviously Brett did to, to do that with there, but like just the people that have, that have followed you and the people that know your work, I think there was a, a lot of excitement to see, that opportunity come your way, especially seeing, like you mentioned, your arc with with this with this show in particular as well, um, and just to see you more get more opportunities with within this this, I guess expanded GCW world is is also uh, it, really you really know cool to and, see. And I just want people to know, like I hear you, even if I may not agree with the things you're saying, I hear you, I hear, I understand. But also, I'm behind the curtain. So you may not see certain things being advocated for or fought for or pushed for or pitched several hundred fucking times. But that does not mean that people are not fighting for the same things that you believe in. Um, and I have to put over Brett because I think that like he has been incredibly collaborative and, um, you know, I've never worked on a show of this scale. This is a a whole other thing. This is a huge, a huge, huge audience. This is a huge platform. This is the biggest week of the year. I have, I have, I, I have no experience in that. So getting advice, you know, getting, getting, you know, opinions on, what does a, a a card structure should look like? And, you know, he hasn't been like, these ideas suck or these people suck or it's not any of that, but more so of what the philosophy of the collective and individual collective shows, the shared philosophy has been an eye opener. Um, and he taught me a lot about, the number one thing I could say Brett taught me is uh, assembling a roster and what, is the formula to assembling a roster that does good work for you, but also draws you money. That's been really important. Um, so it's been a, I haven't had any real complaints in the process. It's been a very easy process. Um, so, yeah. Ah, that's really, it's really awesome to hear. Um, well, I'm, I know I'm, I'm personally excited for, for, for the culture. I know both myself and, and my spouse are going to be in attendance for that show in particular yes so i i'm excited for for that but um as we wind down here today i think it's only fitting that we go back to pro wrestling by we go back to uh uh and talk about end of an era again because i i really feel like for for everything that pro wrestling vibe has has done since march 7th 2020 um the story with you, Darius and Faye, I think for for me will be um 
one of, if not the like top, like kind of lasting legacy coming out of this in terms of just like the in ring there. Um, going into this weekend, like, what do you feel um, will be like your personal like takeaway in terms of legacy for pro wrestling vibe? And what do you hope fans take away from the last uh, three plus years of, of pro wrestling vibe? Oh, what a profound question. Um, I, you know, I haven't honestly thought about it. You know, I'm not afraid to cry on camera or anything like that. Um, but like, I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to feel. I don't know. I think that the one thing I do know for sure is uh, that I enjoyed being a disruptor for three years. And I enjoyed forcing change because it was going at a snail's pace and I'm like, I'm not going to be 40 and get my chance. I will be fucking pissed. Um, I know that the work we've done made a difference. You know, I, I know that the work we've done has made a difference. I know that these rosters on these bigger independent wrestling shows are a lot different than they were before March 7th. Um, and I know that as much as I love all the shows I've done, there's something about Butch versus Gore that is just uh, I wish I had the word, but it, it just it I, I think it was just like a real catalyst, I guess. And I think that there was professional wrestling before March 7th, and then there was professional wrestling after March 7th. And I think that the, the, the legacy of that show is a lot more profound than people will give it credit for, um, in my opinion, at least, because I think that I would guarantee that Big Gate Brunches would even look different if that show didn't happen. I, I would think that these other companies' pride shows will look even different because people were doing these half-baked pride shows where it was like three gay people and a bunch of straight people on the shows. Like, that was happening. Um, but I think top to bottom and 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 respectfully speaking as much as I can, queer wrestling shows where the person putting it together is the main character and it's not the detriment of the show was not done before. Um, in my experience, the biggest thing about Vibe and being the main character of Vibe was that it was not all about me. And that I think it's so great that I am not wrestling on the show. I'm a referee. Thank God. I don't want to bump anyways. But like, I think that we're, you know, there's so much happening on the show. And there's like a lot of stories to tell, you know. MSP and Kings of the District have never wrestled each other. They have been clamoring for this match for years. Well, you got it. Go crazy. Kelly and Edie. That's that's their whole thing, you know. Uh you know, Edith is a pillar on in her own right. All these tournaments, the first Cassandra Cup winner, you know, uh, and making history at PIB last summer. You know, she, you know, 
not solely through Vibe, but she has had her own arc, her own journey, her own thing. Um, I, I, I think Darius Carter, you know, inside baseball, when I realized that, like, okay, I'm not actually going to do this promoting thing, I looked at Darius Carter, you know, I was just like, he's the best wrestler in the world. I looked at him and I was like, there's no guy in wrestling that believes more in what they're doing than Darius Carter. I can't find one person. And I've tried. Um, and I think working with him was incredibly important for not just wrestling, but for my life. Um, I think that he has leveled me up in a, in, 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 in a way that no one else can take credit for. Um, and I'm grateful for the work we've done together. And, you know, there hasn't been a ton of stories in independent wrestling or in wrestling um, with two Black performers with a clearly defined babyface and a clearly defined heel having a, 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 a conflict that isn't a tired trope. And I think there's a lot of layers to the Black experience that are woven in the story, including like, now my mama got to get involved because it's so bad, you know, which is, you know, a lot of tropes about motherhood goes into to Faye, you know, like this was a, this wasn't a, like, we just like write down the match. This was like thinking incredibly intricately about the story and having her be a background character after, you know, for two years and then entering her in back into the plot in a very clear way. Did I know that we were going to get here during the I Quit match? No. But I think that I think that we have done a very fine job uh, of, of, of telling the story and of, of this um, and of this, this this struggle of like well what does the, the, the future of professional wrestling look like? And I think it's appropriate in a lot of ways that the future of professional wrestling is probably going to look a lot more of the same. So even though it's sad that Vibe is ending, and I know for a lot of people, they're not going to be happy about that. But I think it's a reminder that like we have done all this work and we have done such a good job as a community of like being there for each other and all this kind of stuff. But like the work has just begun, you know? So I'm really proud of that. And uh, I'm, 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 I'm proud of everyone I've gotten the chance to work with. I'm proud of, I think Big Dust is a superstar. I think he is one of my favorite uh, people I've worked with because he's such a sweet human being. And he's the only one who really gets me choked up because I, I see Bobby the Brain Heenan just like, and like Larry, like Larry, a little bit of Larry Sweeney, but like, I see the brain so clearly like take over that kid's body out there. And I just, I think the world of him, I think the world of Devon Monroe, I think his, his career has really gotten to a level that I don't think he ever thought possible. Um, and I think that he has so much to grow with. Um, I'm glad to have been able to give people their flowers. Without a dark sheik, there is no Billy Dixon. That's just a shoot. Um, uh, to give Eddie the, 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 
the moment to have something in his career be totally his was very important to myself and to the work we've created. To be able to do Paris is bumping is um is something that I'm going to always be grateful for. To be able to throw that out there and know that it was gonna be either love it or leave it, and that it was very well received, let me know that one day we'll be able to really get something like this on a bigger platform. Uh, so to me, it, it I, I think that when it comes to the legacy of, 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 of this company and what not just myself, but everyone who's worked hard, everyone's worked hard. You know, Candy waited years to get her chance to wrestle. That could not have been easy. Um, I think that, you know, I'll, I'll make a comparison. We are the glee club of pro wrestling. Um, and we there are there will never be bigger underdogs than the, the vibe the vibe kids. Never be bigger underdogs. Uh, and we had our day in the sun several times, and we've proven the ability to draw money and to draw interest on the internet and to trend and to do that time after time. Um, and that is to me what's so cool about what we did as a company is that. You know, we 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 went from being a a a a a territory that no one knew to being a territory that everyone was focused on to having no money but creating huge impact. I I I think that everyone who's ever worked on a vibe show should be incredibly proud of themselves. If you edited a video, if you made a graphic. There's so many hands that went into making a nice alternative. Um, and I'm I'm super grateful for the past three years uh, to create the pro wrestling that we wish to see in the world. So I don't know. I don't know how I feel. I don't, I, you know, I, I, I just feel eternal gratitude. I, I can't cry about this. I can't be sad about this because this wasn't even supposed to happen. You know, right, you know, we can keep this going, but then I'd be no different than the former promoter of Primetime for Wrestling. You know, like, we could keep this going, or I could be like other very, very, you know, noted promotions who are paying people $20 to wrestle. I'm never doing that. Yeah. I mean, I could be a scumbag promoter, and we could have this forever, but... I like sleeping at night knowing that people got paid what they asked for and people were paid fairly and that everyone got to go home happy and satisfied with the work they were doing. So I have no, no, no. I mean, and you know, for wrestling is one thing, having ethics and, and being able to sit with yourself is, is, is another, you know? So I, I commend you on that. And, um, I think the legacy that that this company and, and all the people that have been involved with it leave behind is is one that's going to be noted for for a while, you know. And you see it, like you said, you see it on all these cards across the country now that features so many people that weren't getting on those shows before, you know, companies like Pro Wrestling Vibe 
popped up, you know, and like, I think continuing to see that growth for all these individuals, for yourself, for, for so many others, like that, that's going to keep the, the name of pro wrestling vibe on a lot of people's lips. And that's, that's really awesome to, to see. Um, and I can't, I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, sorry to interrupt you, but I in no way want to be like, well, now queer professional wrestling is dead. Like, that oh, yeah. is not what this is. You yeah. know, there are still big gay brunches. There are still um, other pride shows happening, full queers and all this kind of stuff. Uh, the work that Uncanny is doing. Um, in no way do I think the movement is dead. But also, I am challenging myself that as a wrestler, I've disrupted enough on the independent scene. I think that there's somewhere with three letters that I can disrupt next that I'm very excited at working my way up to go. Because if you let me in one of those places, it is going to be the worst thing they ever did. <laughs> the next thing you know, you're going to have a gay person main event WrestleMania. So I think that for me, like as far as the independence goes, like I'm totally fine with my legacy, um, with Vibe. I'm totally fine with everything. But I do look forward to working to move, not move up, but move to a new part of the industry where I can see what happens. So as a wrestler, that is, I've never publicly made it a goal. It never was a goal, but my goal is to definitely sign a piece of paper doing a thing somewhere. And I think it's a goal that you can achieve, honestly, just looking at the track record so far. Like it's it's there and and it's very apt that, that you do point out though this does not mean the end of of the queer pro wrestling movement at all. This is just honestly this is an evolution of it because the whole idea was to create spaces to show like to, to show ourselves and then to have like that that level of acceptance from the greater pro wrestling world. And yes, you want to maintain your own spaces, but there's a reason why we keep seeing so many people that were on vibe cards on, on other cards. Now, you know, people like Trisha Dora, Trisha Dora just wrestled in Japan. Mm -hmm. This is a global thing. This is a global yeah. thing. And it all ties back to a brewery in Washington, DC with people fucking in the bathrooms. I mean, what <laughs> way to go out. If, if there is no procreation, if there are not Scorpios, Name Phil, I will be very upset. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and I don't take full credit for anyone's come up. Yeah. You know, do I know that the executives watched and then copied a lot of things that were on vibe shows? Yes, I'm not a fucking idiot. But a lot of these people, it was a catalyst, and then they just took their own ball and they ran with it. You know, and I and I and I, and I know this because it was the very last show before COVID. So it's like it yes. was the last show. Like, you know, what can you do? Uh, <laughs> but which is such an interesting life is very funny. I'll leave it to you like that. Life is a, a, a endless rib, um, and I keep coming back for more. Um, <laughs> but yeah, everybody and vibe. You know. If I've impacted their careers more profoundly than I think I have, that's great. But I, I, I do say that, like, we have produced and elevated several talents to new and exciting points in their careers. But they have also worked incredibly hard to uh, to level up. So that's pretty cool. 
yeah, it is really awesome to see. And I'd look forward to seeing all these people continue for, for years to come, including yourself. Billy, this has been fun as always. I always enjoy having you on the show and I'm sure this won't be the last time that you're on the show, but like I said at the opening, like for the Vox Media era of LGBT in the ring, I am very happy that we were able to end that era with you on the cusp of ending an era there as well. Double end of an era. That's crazy. It's like I mean, it's like I I told you before, like we're we're going down swinging together, damn it, and Listen. and I'm here for it. Listen, <laughs> what a great what a great podcast to be in the foxhole in. Yes. <laughs> no, I really really appreciate it, Billy. Let everybody know where they can find you online and where they can snag some of those standing room only tickets that are left for this show on Sunday. <laughs> All right. Um, you can follow me on all the social medias, including the TikTok that I never use, at uh, the Billy Dixon. T H E B I L L Y D as in dog I X O N. Um, and pro- and you can follow Pro Wrestling Vibe, uh, at P W Vibe on all of the social medias, and um, check the link in any of our bios for tickets to the End of an Era Pro Matica. And it will be the very last professional wrestling show to ever take place at DC Brow. Uh, oh, wow. So this is the very last show that will happen at that location ever. So and live an era in so many damn ways. So many, so many. I, I'm i excited to, to check it out. I, I It's only fitting. Live like, on I, IWTV. Sorry. Yes, we are, yes, yes. We yes. are streaming, streaming live on IWTV Sunday, February 19th. 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, which would be 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Yes. So a reasonable Sunday afternoon delight. That is what we're calling it uh, to go out on. I think that is the perfect way to end this, which is enjoy it. Get your cry out, get your tears out, and then move the fuck on because you have a whole night left. So go out and party twice as hard. There you go. Billy, thank you so much. Thank you. My thanks once again to Billy for taking the time to come on the show and talk about this Sunday's event. Of course, you know, if you're going to be in the the DMV, the district, the Gravital region, the DC area, um, definitely grab tickets. I know like they're in very small quantities right now uh, in their standing room only all seats are sold out um but definitely going to be a fun time and for that matter you know flying v also has a show running the saturday uh before bromatica on, on uh so 18th this february 18th flying v february 19th uh processing vibe so you got a nice little weekend in the dmv uh for some really awesome and uh intriguing pro wrestling events that are happening and uh, a lot of fun stuff there. Of course, if you can't aren't in the area or can't make it like the show will be streaming on IWTV, uh, independent wrestling.tv, uh, 4 PM Eastern, 1 PM Pacific. Um, I can say right now, I, I'm going to be in the building. Um, it only feels right to be in the building personally. So I hope to see, 
um, a lot of familiar faces there, uh, as well as plenty of new faces that will get their shot to check out what Pro Wrestling Vibe provides and what it has provided for a number of years for our community one last time. Uh, yeah. Mm. So, um, and of course, you know, the show as, as our final sponsorship before we take another um, break here, you know, we are sponsoring the main event with Darius Carter and Faye Jackson. Billy is the referee end of an era. Um, you know, it's so much. About, I, I keep using the phrase, but so much about just the, the coinciding of all these events and everything just, um, it fits so well together, um, for different forms of goodbyes in a way, um, or see you down the roads rather in, in that way. So I don't know. Um, I'm excited to be out in DC again. I'm excited to be in DC brow again. And that'll be sick. Um, yeah. Well, that is going to do it for us this week. And for us as part of the Outsports Podcast Network, again, thank you to all of you for your support for the last three plus years and hopefully for all of the years to come as the the next incarnation of LGBT in the ring, whether it looks exactly the same or a little bit different. Um, I'm glad that all of you are on this journey with me in some way, shape or form. And the work isn't over. The fight isn't over. Obviously the fight isn't over and I don't plan to turn off my microphone until that fight is won. And I hope all of you will continue to come with myself and all of the wonderful guests that we bring on to the show for that continued journey. But um, until we meet again, y'all stay messy, wash your hands, wear your mask, get vaccinated and boosted if at all possible. And same goes for, for monkeypox. I don't care what the emergencies being undeclared or whatever, like keep an eye on your stuff and stay up to date with those things. Um, and uh, congratulations to Effie on his engagement. Bye. The bridge. She made a deal with the demon so her lover could live With the moon inside and the devil inside the stick It's the formula 666 six, six.